www.cliffcentral.com. I love that song. I'm Purima Sheho, and you're listening to Womandla. It's Wednesday, and like we always do, we're talking about all things super women today. You know, you've probably seen the hashtag. I hashtag it all the time, working mom, my crazy life as I run from meeting to meeting, from picking up from school and all sorts of crazy things. Um, and this is the life of almost every mother in a career. And I've been thinking about what does one do if you want to have a career and you want to be very successful in your career, but you also want to have a family. Obviously, you have to plan it right, right? Well, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about planning your career and planning your family at the same time. Can you be a MVP in your workplace and still be a mother? And before my guest gets here, she's on her way because as a working mother herself, she's juggling being a mother. She's rushing over here from an ice Stetford this morning. As soon as she gets here, I've got Taryn Trims coming into the office, coming into the office, coming into the studio. And she's an executive development coach. And she's going to be talking about how do you plan the two? And what are some of the things that you deal with as a woman looking at those two things in the workplace? But one of the biggest Gender biases, as it were, in the wor- in the workplace is obviously motherhood or what they call the maternal wall. And I thought I'd share this little tidbit from a mother, a researcher, a lawyer herself, and from her new book called What, what Works for Women at Work. And this is about um, maternal bias or the maternal wall in the workplace. It's called the maternal wall. It's gender bias triggered by motherhood. This is really strong. If you give people identical resumes, one but not the other, a mother, literally a four-word difference, membership in the PTA, the mother is 79% less likely to be hired, only half as likely to be promoted, offered an average of $11,000 less in salary, these were management consultants, and held to higher performance and punctuality standards. This is a very, very strong form of bias. I was fortunate enough when I was about 39 to have an opportunity to interview for my dream job. And during the interview process, while I was waiting for them to come back with feedback about whether or not they were going to offer me the job, I found out I was pregnant. And I was faced with a choice. Do I tell this potential employer that I'm now pregnant and risk the opportunity to get this job. It was a real wake-up call for me because I thought to myself, all things being equal, if I had the choice between two amazing candidates, but one of them told me that they were going to be leaving after I just spent months investing time and getting them up to speed, what would I do? And a part of me thought, well, maybe I would choose the one that was less friction for me as an employer. And that was awful. This bias has a prescriptive element, a should element. And it's astonishing still in this day and age that mothers are literally told sometimes um, you should be home with your kids or only slightly more subtly. I don't know how you can work such long hours. My wife could never leave her kids like that. Even more common, though, is, is really benevolently meant. It's nicely meant of, like, I didn't consider you for this promotion because I know it's not a good time for you because you have a small baby. Now, the message is the same. Good mothers wouldn't leave their children. 
On the other hand, there's another study that showed that when mothers are seen as indisputably competent and committed, that they tend to be disliked and they tend to be held to higher performance standards. You know, one of the things that is so ironic about the maternal wall bias is that it affects non-mothers as well as mothers. A very strong trigger sometimes for this bias is simply getting engaged, simply wearing an engagement ring. Often younger women feel that their career opportunities are being limited by the assumption that they're going to have kids. Often older women feel, particularly as they get towards 35, that everybody's writing them off on the assumption that they will soon have kids. And this is true even if they don't want kids, never intend to have kids, and have made that really, really clear. When it comes to maternal wall strategies, the first really important step is to look out inside yourself because if you have kids, we all want to be good mothers. And it's important to ask, what is the standard that you're holding yourself to? You know, the studies show that the good mother is seen as someone who is always available to her children. Now I ask you, is that realistic? It really isn't. And in fact, one of the ways to be a not-so-perfect mother is to be obsessed with perfection. If you think about it, one of the most important gifts you can give to your children is to show them that you need to be gentle with yourself. That needs to start with you. They need to see that. If they see you holding yourself and them up to unreasonable standards, what message are you giving them? For mothers who remain employed, you know that you're going to hit these negative competence and commitment assumptions. So when you return from maternity leave, it's really important to signal that you remain committed. A really good way to do this is to just ask for a meeting. Say, I'm really excited. Here are the baby pictures. Here are my career goals. Here are my short-term goals in the next six months. Here are my longer-term goals in the next two years. How can I get ready so that I am ready to proceed on this schedule? Very powerful for signaling that you remain committed. Also, if your spouse is willing to relocate for your career, say so. If you're the primary earner, say so. If you're willing to travel, say so. Because if you don't say so, the assumptions will all be the opposite from what you want. At work, I've seen it happen where people say, oh, well, it's only a matter of time before she leaves. And those are the types of things where you've got to jump in and actually change those perceptions when they happen. And I've tried to do that over uh, every time I've heard it. But I think that's also what's made me more tolerant as a manager of people now um, that I wasn't as aware of before, which is actually those people are probably working a lot harder. They have a family to feed now. They they are more invested in ensuring that they have long-term success. Then there's some very simple and subtle things that you can do if you feel that there's this maternal wall bias around you. If you have to go to a kid's soccer game or a pediatrician appointment, just calendar it as an out-of-the-office meeting. You know what? It is. It's an important out-of-the-office meeting. And if you're going on business travel, for example, 
On your email bounce back or even a little sign on your door, describe very briefly what the business opportunity is that you're pursuing because you know if you don't, the assumption might be that you're home with your kids and that's just not accurate. A lot of this is advice I offer somewhat reluctantly. I'm telling you that what works for women at work is hiding motherhood. And we should not have to do this, but women often find that the best strategy is um, to fly under the radar screen as mothers. But you know what? When you get to a point where you have more authority in the organization, at a certain point, I was very, very self-conscious. And I made sure that if I, I was leaving the office for a child-related matter, that people knew. And I felt that that... Uh, was an important way to open up space for women who were junior to me. That gives permission not only to the other mothers, actually even more important, it gives permission to the younger men to do what they want to do because of new emerging ideals of fatherhood. Amazing things. So Terrence never lays somebody that would never consider themselves biased in any way, shape, or form. I'm Latina. I'm a woman. I'm the last person to be judgmental. Um, it really sort of opened my eyes to ways in which our society and our influences around us can potentially work themselves into to how we approach situations that we wouldn't even be aware of otherwise. Incredible what's just one little thing, one little thing member of the PTA can do to any woman's resume. Can you hear yourself? Taryn is here. <laughs> Taryn is finally here. And I was just saying, Taryn's never late. She's a mother. She comes from a nice statehood. And for that, she gets a round of applause from me. <laughs> Catch your breath. I can see your puffy eyes. Was it cute? It was heartbreaking. It was gorgeous. Uh, I mean, the first kid stood up, I started drizzing. It was just... <laughs> I mean, these kids are amazing to stand up in front of a hall of people when you're four years old. I mean, that's confidence, eh? And then we lose it along the way, which is weird. It's the world. It teaches us to lose it. But I think that is... And and that dichotomy, the fact that you have to rush here from being like at an Eisteddfod and on the way you have to like wipe yourself clean and you have to arrive here in your like, you don't have to arrive here in your suit, but you have to arrive at meetings looking mm. together and well put in. And, and that's the thing. That's the dichotomy of being a mother and being in the workplace. And you still want to be kind of, and you know, when I put the, the tweet up earlier, I said MVP. You want to be an MVP in your workplace. You know, you want to be a most valued player. You want mm. everybody to look at you and say this person adds everything to the team this person is there is committed but as we were just listening there are a lot of biases against women in careers and there are a lot of things that you kind of have to work up against and I thought let's chat about how does one plan for this how do you plan for it when you're young and starting your career when you're middle-aged like us <laughs> having babies how do how does one plan the career around the changing life, life circumstance of women? So, I mean, you know, since last night I've been pondering this question and it's actually quite a tough one for me to answer because my children were not planned. So I had absolutely no plan uh, for my career when it came to building a family and having children. That kind of just happened to me. And um, 
So what I did is I did some kind of litmus test research on my own and reached out to my women friends that did plan to have kids. And the feedback that I got was the same as, you know, what I think about, what I experienced and what I felt. So I, I loved what you played earlier because that maternal bias and any kind of bias around a woman and, and her, her status or her standing in the maybe family society or in the patriarchal society is just so influential on how she navigates through her career that, you know, it cannot be ignored. And I think it's something that you have to onboard first as a woman when you are planning your career. It would be naive of you to go, you know, I'm just going to do what I want. You actually need to look <laughs> at yourself. Well, <laughs> you know this, being a mother to a toddler and a practically newborn, you don't get to do just what you want exactly. in your whole life. And and the, there's there's also this kind of toss up between completely being available to your kids and being a good mother and being amazing and all of that. But also still looking after yourself and looking after your career, mm. you know? Absolutely. And it's, it, it, it is a, how are you dealing with it now that you're here and mm. you're navigating the space? Mm. How are you dealing with what you want for your career and what you want for your career as a mother? So the first thing I had to do was put on my big girl panties <laughs> and I had to take a deep breath and go, okay. Things aren't going to plan out the way that I wanted them to, the way I expected them to. I'm not going to get that promotion as fast as I expected to get it. And I had to make some life choices. So I changed my job, but I did it strategically in a way that I could still climb the ladder, so to speak. I mean, doesn't Cheryl Sambo call it a jungle gym? It's not a, a ladder. She said it's a ladder you're looking, staring up into somebody else's butt anyway. So it's definitely a jungle gym. So I, I changed my job to... Not maybe, not really negotiate for flexibility, to, but I checked with myself to go, can I do this job um, and can I maintain my personal brand from a career perspective and be a mother and be present for my two kids? Um, so, you know, that's the first thing I did is I actually sat down and I went, right, this is the job that I can do really well, that I can shine because you've got to play that corporate game as well. You've got to make strategic decisions about how do I position myself to look great? How do you how do you commit yourself and show that you're committed? You know, when working in media and advertising, we have long hours. You and you have pictures, you have overnights, you have really a lot of kind of where what I could do that when I was 20, I could do that easily. I could do that when I was 25. I could do that when I was 30. But now I I can't. I just it's you. You have to be there to make supper for the child yeah. at six. You know, so you, you're not going to be able to be at work and after work drinks. Correct. Till like 11 in the night, you know, and, but all of those things are so important mm -hmm. to show that you're still part of the team. So you have to plan for it. Absolutely. I think, you know, you know, networking in the archaic sense of what networking is, that does, I must say, take a back seat. You can't network in the way that you could before you had kids. I, I deal with clients on a daily basis. No more taking them out for dinners, you know, s sitting with them until they, you know, we get the tab at one, two o'clock in the morning. That has to obviously stop. Um, but don't you find, Pumi, like, that when you do focus, when you do have to prepare something, the ability to focus and the ability to get something done for me definitely changed. So there are limited hours in the day. But when I sit down, I can now go, right, 
I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And I make decisions very quickly about what's beneficial, what's going to actually return, you know, return an investment to me, to my employer, to my clients. And if it doesn't, then I very kindly say, this is not priority right now and I'm going to step away. I could never do that before. Before I used to be, you know, especially from my career perspective, I did everything for everybody. Now I do everything for my kids uh, and my partner. But at work, I've, be, I, I've started to operate within the realm of my actual role, if that makes sense. And I think that makes an organization a stronger place. Because if you do everyone else's job, then you should actually technically get fired. You should do your job. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting that you say that because one of the articles that I posted on my Facebook was, was really about how being a, a working mother, being a mother makes you better at work because it makes you more efficient because now you know, now you know that you actually only have eight hours and you have to get through everything and you, you know, it makes you better able to multitask. It makes you, it it makes you a better leader. It makes you a better leader because you navigate so many more different things, you know? So that, that in itself was such a switch for me. I mean, I am constantly, I feel like I'm running after myself all the time and constantly kind of feeling like, I'm riding myself. Mm. And after I read that, I thought, oh, this is not so bad. I mean, there's a plan here if mm. I just like calm down. <laughs> so I love what you're saying. I did, I, last year I did research on mindfulness and, and its role in developing leaders. And I, I conducted interviews with executives in South African businesses. And the women obviously scored higher, well, not obviously, really, let me rather say scored <laughs> higher than men in their ability to respond versus react. So they they had this ability to kind of assess a situation within milliseconds and then choose the way that they were going to respond to something. And I mean, it would just be interesting to 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 look at. Do you kind of acquire that skill because you have children? Do you acquire that skill because you fundamentally your whole life, your old life almost dies. The sun sets on your single independent self and then the sun rises on this matriarchal person that has to now, you really have to step into these big shoes. Okay, Little people depend on you. To some extent, your partner depends on you. Being a mother is such a unique thing. It, it, never before did I ever feel the difference between men and women than I did when I became a mother and I used to be quite an advocate for you know equal parenting co-parenting there's research on how men can raise babies just as well as women can and you know I think that's great but personally my feeling I felt very like I'd been dealt a huge responsibility and there was nothing that prepared me for that responsibility. I was very happy to have a child my family was happy I had a support system but as he came into the world um, I just, it hit me very, very hard. Wow, I am responsible for this person. So working with with business, with leaders within your own organization, but also just in general, business leaders, and this being one of your um, areas of interest, actually in executive development, what do you th- believe are the things that women should be asking themselves in preparation for a changing life circumstance, whether it's getting married, you know, getting married is a changing life circumstance. There's a lot of gender bias that goes with that. Um, having children is a big one. Having a second child even, mm. you know, changes the dynamic. What are the questions that you should be asking yourself about your career and where you want to go as you make that decision? Mm. 
So like you said, I think it's the, the answer to that question or one of the potential answers to that question is the same across the board, Whether whatever life stage you're at. In our business, we see women that are approaching the 50 mark, which are being subjected to incredible amounts of bias that, you know, you just don't expect. Mothers, so working mothers, single mothers, women that aren't married, single women. And where we start, the first thing we do is ask, you have to tap into your authentic self. Who are you and what do you want to be? And if you can really define that and actually write that down, then it doesn't matter what happens, you know, what comes your way, what challenge you face, what life stage you're in. You know with clarity who you are and what you want to be. And that will help you guide your decisions. That will help you act with authenticity when things become quite difficult. Because when you have to navigate in the storm, you know, what do I do? What do I choose? Who do I compromise? Obviously, you're always going to compromise yourself first. That's a whole other conversation about how you make time for yourself. Um, I think it's so instinctive to just, you know, look after the other. But if you if you know for certainty, uh, this is who I am and this is what I want to be, then automatically you start to make decisions to cultivate that. So when I was pregnant, I had the most incredible midwife and she forced me to journal. And this was at the same time that it was, I was doing my research. And I, when I look back on this journal, I mean, it's incredible. It's it's. I, I would write down, you know, who am I? I wanted these things. I'm never going to have them again. Um, I wanted this career. These people don't respect me anymore. How am I going to gain these respect, this respect? And I mean, I say this, you know, with it's quite embarrassing to share these things because, <laughs> you know, You're motherhood. You're in a safe space. <laughs> thank you. But motherhood is is pressure. I mean, the, it's a competitive landscape. Um and I never thought that I would feel that competition, but the pressure, maybe, you know, the way that, that mothers are marketed in society or maybe the way mothers engage with each other, there's there's quite a sense of pressure about are you doing it right? Is your kid the happiest, healthiest kid it can be? So I digress a little, but the answer is, who are you? You've got to be authentic. And and that's on the back of research. When when they interview the top CEOs, the leading women in the world today, um, the kind of one factor that's congruent across all of them is that they they are authentic. They are labeled authentic leaders. They they call themselves authentic, and they feel like they're in they're comfortable in their own skin in the role that they're in. So I don't know how many mothers can say that today. They can say, "Sure, I go to work and I have no cognitive dissonance. I'm 100% comfortable with who I am and the work that I do, and I don't have to manage my mother's status." to accommodate my job and my workplace. And for you coming back to work, you know, even though your your work or your role has changed a little bit, but coming back to work, what was there a big shift that you needed to make within the workplace to ensure that people understood that you were still committed, that you were still the same old Taryn, that you still had the same goals, that you still had the same passion and ambition that you'd always had? Mm, so I want to say yes. I was very well received when I came back. I um, The one thing I want to say is that nothing changed really at work. You know, I was away for four months, which I thought was way too short, but I, I got four months. <laughs> And I, it is way too short absolutely. because, like, you're not ready. No. And even if, you know, it also, depending on the way you choose to feed your child, depending on the way you choose to care for your child, like, there should be flexibility built into that maternity policy. Um, but I got four months. I was very grateful for my four months. And um, when I came back, I literally thought my company might have, you know, collapsed or 
fallen over without me there, but it actually was exactly the same place. Yeah, there was a What you of, mean it carried on without it, you? It carried on without me. I mean, how, you know, there's hubris for you if there ever was. So <laughs> everything was the same. And that also kind of gave me a sense of like, I have a role to play, but I'm not everything to all people. I, I have a role to play and this is what I can do. And I, I, I didn't actually, ha I was lucky in that I didn't have to set an expectation with people. People knew that I had a, a, a child. I, I think what's hard for me now is managing my own insecurities around how I'm being judged. So I leave every day at four o'clock to fetch um, our four-year-old and I still get that pang, you know, Oh, they're watching me leave. Do they think that I'm not working hard enough? Sometimes the young guys will say, hey, half day. Half day, hey. Yeah. I know that. Hey, half day, hey. Yeah. And you and just like want to punch it. Yes. <laughs> so That's it's just latent issues of aggression on my side. But I do <laughs> sometimes feel like... <laughs> so, you know, that that's, that's something that I have to keep talking to myself and saying, Taryn, you know what you're doing. You, you, you have your integrity in check. You don't need to manage other people's assumptions of you, which I, I'm making, I'm making my own assumption. I do believe that that is a feminine trait that often women feel they need to manage the assumptions of others. Very rarely do women walk into a room and go, cool, here I am, like make space for me. You walk into a room, you assess the situation, you try and understand the hierarchy of things. You want to bring value to the room. Um, you know, you, you, you maybe are driven, and again, this is a generalization, but you maybe are driven by more of a sense of collaboration, more of a sense of how do we get things working well together. And uh, that's something that, you know, we need to look at. It's an incredible skill, but I think if it's kind of pushed into overdrive, it can be very detrimental and it can cause unnecessary stress. So I'm trying to work to a point where I can feel 100% confidence in how I move within my business, if that makes sense. And flexibility really is the name of the game there. So yes, I have the conversations with the right people, but it's still about the feeling. You know what I mean? It's all about feelings. It's all about feelings. Let's, I want to take a short break. When we come back, I want to chat a little bit more about your assumptions versus the assumptions of people in the workplace and how the family life has creeped into the workplace too. I know we spoke a lot about bringing Josh. I wish you could have brought him here today. <laughs> I would be so much happier if there was a cute little 11-month-year-old. Is that the right thing to say? I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but let's take a break. Business leaders around the globe are committing to building a better world for everyone. CliffCentral.com is joining forces with the Sympathy Sleeper, taking a stand for the plight of the homeless. We invite you to participate with us in the Sympathy Sleepout on the 28th of July, 2016. Join the ranks of leaders of change by using your influence for what truly matters. Sign up now for the Sympathy Sleepout on www.theceosleepoutza.co.za. That's theceosleepoutza.co.za. This is cliffcentral.com. favorites but it's too long and the conversation out here is like deep and heated <laughs> oh 
but local is lacquer, says, <laughs> says Duncan in the back. Well done, Duncan. Yes, local is very lacquer. Slilo Salota, and that is Sisheho, you know, his hometown. And I suppose when I heard him talk about this, it was about his mother. You know, it was about his mother and just the, the feeling of growing up. What's awesome about jazz songs is because it's got no lyrics. Whatever you imbue on it, you're just like, yeah, man, I feel that. I feel that. I've got Taron Trims in the studio and we're talking about, we're talking about career planning and family planning, which is one of those things that you don't kind of think about deeply enough. And then you're in the in the throes of life throwing you about. As I hashtag from day to day, I mean, this morning, had to get up at like five, had to be at school, had to get to the hair salon, had to get to the studio, have to get to the next meeting. And that's just what it's like being a working mom. And I'm very lucky because I work for myself. But a lot of, a lot of women, a lot of women in this country and a lot around the world actually work in corporates and they don't get that kind of flexibility that's the same as mine. I can schedule my life around all of these things. And Taryn, you were just saying that it's more than a work life balance. I used to love the work life balance and I'm like, it's all balancing on my head. That's what it's doing. (laughs) But you're saying it's not a work life balance so much anymore. No, not anymore. Um, you know, the term work-life balance, I think, is quite redundant because it kind of associates your life with a, with, a, with a finite amount of time, a finite amount of capacity, and you have to balance yourself within that capacity. Today, we refer to it more as um, balancing or choosing or prioritizing life goals and then also just being mindful of your life stages on top of those life goals. So we know now, you know, it's been replicated through lots and lots of studies that women are just as ambitious as men in the corporate sphere. And um, if not more, if I mean, it's all context and situation dependent. But, you know, inherently, there was always this deep kind of assumption, deep-seated assumption that women were just not as ambitious as men, especially after they had children. Now it's been proven that that's not the case. What happens, though, is that a woman's um, amount of life goals would, will increase. So I might have a, you know, a long-term goal to become the CEO of my company, but I also have a, a goal to be, you know, the best mother I can be and a matriarch in my family and, and you know, do all the things that my mom did. You know, my mom fetched me from school and she did, she used to have like activities ready. I mean, when I actually think about it, like she's really, she set the bar super, super high. You know, you say that and my friends and I often joke about how I feel like Kaneho does just takes me for granted. Like he's like, why weren't you there? <laughs> I was like, do you see me here? Do you see me like skidding into this like parking yeah. lot at the last yeah. minute to be here at the swimming thing? Yeah. And I think to myself, he is so lucky and he doesn't even know it mm-hmm. because we w- we grew up at a time. My mother was a nurse and my mother couldn't like come off duty to come and mm-hmm. watch me do a speech. Mm-hmm. Could You know, she did definitely did not have that flexibility and one of the things that in my mind was then the kind of mother I wanted to be was that mother that was like your mom the mother that I used to see out there and I mean she kudos to her she tried a lot but your mom is what I then and I have no kind of benchmark 
of how far to take it and how when to dial it back. You well, know? Exactly. It's not like, I mean, I, I, we were making the joke last night about how there's no Disney movie that we watch when we're young girls that kind of ingrains itself on our psyche so that we can grow up and go, oh, this is how I'm supposed to behave when I'm the mom, the working mom with one child that's my own and one child that's maybe my stepchild. And, you know, there's no... There's no way to know, no map, you know, there's no uh, course that's been mapped out ahead of us. Uh, that's why we're really trying to navigate through something new. It's uncharted territory. And that's why I always refer to you've got to know who you are. You've got to know your authentic self. You've got to know what you stand for right at the core. And that takes work. You've got to sit down and you've got to write stuff down. This is who I am. And it also takes big girl panties. You Absolutely. Know? I think the big girl panty thing, we, we kind of take it for granted a lot of the time. And also living in the world we live in today where there's so much emphasis on YOLO. There's so much emphasis on mm. living the moment and youthfulness and the vibrancy of you that everybody's always trying to remain as young or as young at heart mm. as possible. And the reality of it is you've got to grow the fuck up a lot of the time. You know, you've got to just grow up and be grown up and be the adult Absolutely. and make the tough choices. You can't go out drinking to one in the morning. You mm. can't because... Hey, little people. Mm, and I think, you know, when you become a mom, sometimes those choices, you call them choices. Cause, but I don't even know if it's a choice. I almost feel like it's a, it's like a, um, a responsibility that's bestowed on you. And of course, you're going to make the right choices. Like instinctively, you're not going to go out drinking. Instinctively, you're going to stay with your baby. But what you need to prepare yourself for is the feelings you're going to have about that, that you don't want to. I don't want to do that right now. I'm not ready oh my gosh, I, I didn't go on that trip to India with a backpack and, you know, just be free. And that's the stuff you need to look at because, you know, if you haven't dealt with that, I'm almost certain you're going to live vicariously through your kids maybe or resent your kids or push it onto them. And I speak, you know, I, sp I haven't gone through that yet. My children are still young. But it's, a, you know, that you've got to do that work before you before you venture into this this big thing. And and the great thing is is that if you fall pregnant like I did unexpectedly, you don't ha have to freak out because you don't have time now to do this work. You have nine months to do this work, nine beautiful months where they say you're at your most creative, where you have you know you're like Lance Armstrong after a blood transfusion, you've got more <laughs> blood in your system. <laughs> you you're actually like a superwoman when you're pregnant. I mean I know a lot of women have very bad pregnancies. Um, and I had a terrible first trimester, but you are, you are an, a being that is other during that time. And it's that time that I, I wish that every woman was told in the same way that when you go to your dentist, he says, you got to brush your teeth in the morning and the evening. I wish that as a, as a woman, when you grow up, you were taught when you're going to have a baby, you need to do this work because it's real. And knowing what you know now. What are the things that you would teach the next generation of mother to be? Okay, so I'm actually gonna I'm gonna read a couple of um, little, I guess, manifestos. Do it, okay, do it. That came from a couple of friends of mine. They probably would, they'll be devastated to know I'm reading these, but you <laughs> it's know. okay. They'll remain anonymous. They are these anonymous. are the friends of Taryn. Yes. Who SMS last night? So, so this this is my one friend who I adore. She is absolutely gorgeous, and she is very, very successful. Um, 
you know, when you look at her, she looks 10 years younger than she is. You literally look at her and go, no way, how does she do it all? But this is what she said. I said, you know, if you could go back in time and tell yourself anything about having kids and what it would do to your career, positive or negative, what would you say? She said, in hindsight, I would have taken more time to see the sports games that are held in the afternoon. Not all, but at least one a month because it doesn't impact your career, but adds huge value to your kids. I selfishly put my career first, but sacrificed so much of their time for it. So I would find more balance in being a more active parent. So that's what she's saying. She'd find more balance. She goes, I'd upfront negotiate more flexi time to manage school activities. But at the same time, if it was just driving around, I would still use an au pair. So she's quite practical, right? But isn't that interesting? Yeah, the driving around does need a like a thing. It needs a school link. It needs an au pair. It and isn't it great that we have those services? Takes way too much time. <laughs> yeah, way too much time. But it's the new world, right? We have Uber. We have these kind of. Except the Uber driver got lost with my kid once, so I never send him on so Uber alone. <laughs> But, you know, that's just what she said. I think there's a, there might be a bit of guilt in there. Like, you know, I haven't given enough to my kids and maybe you carry that guilt as a mother, like until, you know, until you're very old. But, um, it was interesting to say, like, just the little things. It wouldn't have actually made that much of a difference if she'd left work at three to go watch a hockey game or, and, you know, that little, the, the, the small impact it would have at work. In, in opposite to that, it would have a massive impact on her child's life. So while there's my mom standing there on the sideline, um, I'm, you know, I'm proud that my mom's here. I'm showing her that I can do this thing. So that was something that I'm going to, I'm going to onboard, um, myself. And then I have a, a lovely friend who's a new mom, just like me, who our babies are friends. And she said, sure. Hmm. That would be an internal battle on giving up everything I'd worked towards and what I thought my path was versus this incredible strong urge to forget myself and just care for this little being. I would tell myself that I must prepare myself to find a new balance and that it is possible to have both just with a mindset shift and flexibility. So that's to go back. It's possible to have both with a mindset shift and and flexibility. So that goes back to the work-life balance thing. That is such a limiting term. We think, right, work-life balance means I need to balance 50% here and 50% there to get my 100%. Managing your life goals means your bucket might be much bigger and can take in a lot more at any given time in your life. It's a lot more complex and dynamic than just work-life balance. You know, now at this moment in time, I need to stop working and walk around here. It's more about this is who I am and this is what I want. And if I know that, then I have capacity to do these different things. And I, it doesn't weigh on my conscious when I make the decisions and prioritize my work above my kids or my kids above my work. Jeez. So that's, that's power. Hey? That is power. That's definitely Womanda right there. <laughs> that is that's Womanda, like Womanda right like there. The soul. Um, you know, then I have, I have, this is the last one I'll read. This friend of mine, I actually call her the queen because she is the queen. She has four children. She had kids very early on. And then she had kids later on in her life. I think she had her last child in her in her 40s. And so she had a phase one, phase two. She had phase one, phase two. Absolutely. I'm kind of like a blend, you know. <laughs> um, but she said when she was young, she had more energy and it drove her to work smarter and harder. Okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm in my 30s now and I 
I kind of feel like I'm in between. Like I can sense that exhaustion, but I hope I have like a little bit of that youthful vitality left to kind of like keep me up since two o'clock this morning, which I was, which we joked about earlier. Then she said having two kids later, 37 and 40 was much tougher and it took my focus or motivation away from my career. So that's quite interesting. And I think life stages are so important. Where are you in your life? Where are you? Because you might be 40 and starting something new and have, you know, I don't think we can be prescriptive, but it's important to just know yourself in your own life stages. So she said it was a mixed bag from a career perspective. She says, have kids in your 20s. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I disagree with ah, that one. but I anyway. think I disagree with that one yeah. too. Well, that's a conversation for another day. Have mm. kids in your 20s when yeah. you still have the energy. Yeah, and then but then she says, but from a life experience and emotional maturity perspective, have them at 35. So this is, I mean, and I do kind of see her as the guru, right? Because she's got these four children and her youngest child is one. So, I mean, she, she knows what she's talking about and her eldest is at university. So, you know, that's quite something. Um, she says, but ultimately, um, the when doesn't make a difference. Try to be as realistic as possible to the impact children will have on your life from a practical and logistical perspective and get robust support systems in place. Be practical. From an emotional perspective, I believe that having children is one of the major contributions to you growing up. Big old panties. Big old panties. And becoming a whole soul. This certainly gives you great skills that you can apply in the work environment, patience, compassion, insight, listening, and communication skills, time management, obviously, decision-making, etc. Having children takes and tests you to your personal limits. If you can deal with that, you can deal with anything at work. So ultimately, it's been positive. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I'm wow. going to save these things. because I need you to send those to me because I must tweet those. I will. I must tweet those. We must make them little quotes to yeah. send out because I know the impact that it's had on my work and my career. And, and I had a, a difficult time kind of navigating the two. And cause I'm a bit of a, I'm, I'm okay now to say a bit of a control <laughs> freak. So one of the things that I did try and do is I did try and, and plan the career mm. in a, in a way that kind of and and even when i then decided okay now's the time i'm going to have a child i you know kind of thought let me control this whole situation plan and put a thing in place and and everything changed mm-hmm. and even as everything changed simply having had a, a thought process around what i wanted where i wanted to go kind of gave me something to to like hold on to mm-hmm. and beat myself up about it's <laughs> your anchor Exactly. Yeah. But I do think that the, the change that happens is so incredible. Mm. It's so incredible. And there's, there's really the, the best thing. And every single one of the articles I've read of flexibility has been the biggest one. One that just says, just, you know, forgive yourself a little bit more. Mm. Be flexible. Take it as it comes. You can have a plan. But when... You've got to learn to roll with the punches because that's essentially that's like the whole being a mother. Take you and your child who sleeps 11 hours every night and then the (laughs) night before having to come on the radio, he's up at two. (laughs) Uh, He just wanted to give me a bit of a reality check. 
Um, but, you know, I love what you said about flexibility because don't you think the world needs a little bit more flexibility? Mm-hmm. We are so rigid and so linear in the way we move, in the way we think, in the way we eat, in the way we judge, in the way we consume. We are linear. We're like, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. This is what I know. This is what they did before me. And we've almost lost that ability to go, hang on, am I present? What's happening right now? And what will, you know, what are the options? Mm. And that that flexibility is like, I really feel like it's a golden key. And, uh, you know, I just hope that as women, we can stand together, support each other in a, in a, in a work environment and, and kind of exercise this notion of flexibility. Because flexibility doesn't mean uh, I'll just make it easy for you. Flexibility means there's got to be another way. So if you need to work 12 hours a day, there's still 12 hours in the day. You know, how you slice and dice those 12 hours is... You might just have to work the second part of the 12 hours after bedtime. Correct. Or maybe you don't work 12 hours on one day and the next day you work 16 hours. Like, you know, it's all about you, you have the intelligence and the drive to know what you need to do when. And having kids... I mean, logi- we should all become logistics managers because we can plan. And, you know, the Israeli army is, the, the Israeli army is run by women. And I read an amazing article about how she said and she... And it was f- the first one ever to allow women. Exactly. But, they, you know, they've got quite a good success rate because these the women that deploy the troops, they kind of feel like they're their children. They have a maternal instinct over these people and they're very risk averse. They they maybe are flexible in the way that they go, right, I'm going to deploy these troops here or I'm going to retract them, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when you have kids, you have to learn. And it doesn't matter how much help you have. It doesn't matter if you've got nannies, night nurses. You're still going to find yourself in a situation where you go, holy moly, how am I going to? handle this right now. This one's vomiting. This one needs to go to the toilet. My husband's not here or my partner's not here. Um, I haven't got dressed yet. I've got vomit on my shirt. Someone's ringing the doorbell. You're going to find yourself in situations like that many, many times. And, you know, you just find ways of doing things. And the other day I was at the mug and bean and I actually negotiated with the waiter to help me like look after my shopping and, you know, keep this and hold my cell phone. Cause I was expecting a call while I held the 11 month old on my hip and took the four year old to make, you know, number two in the bathroom in the shopping mall, which was on the other side. And then come back, you, know, you have to put trust in people. You have to really think on your feet. And isn't that, a, that's like the best training ever. You know, I, I, I did my MBA and, in no course with, did we pregnant do, and with the baby exactly, but there was no you know there was no live scenario or kind of group work that we did where it was like right, let's actually scenario plan this and how would we how do you navigate in something that difficult and I can tell you like what my friend mentioned about how you can apply the things you learn in motherhood to work, I think that that is I can feel that that is a real thing and I have a confession for you Pooby like. Literally, I mean, my son is 11 months old, and um, so you can add nine months onto that. So 21, 22 months ago, I used to judge mothers at work. Really? I did. I used to roll my eyes when people said they couldn't make an 8 o'clock meeting internally, obviously. And I used to, uh, you know, I just kind of used to think it was a cop-out. I used to think, like, I mean, how hard can it be? And I judged women with children. And I thought that they were weaker or lesser or undeserving. 
And I really needed to look at that because it made it so hard for me to reconcile the fact that I was going to become a mother at work because I had those ju- that judgment on people. And there was quite a famous tweet, I think, that went out or article on Forbes that was shared about a, a high-profile executive VP in the States. And, and she confessed about this, about how she would treat working mothers in her team. And then she became a mother and how it changed everything. So like all unconscious bias, you've got to know yourself. You've got to know your dark sides. You've got to know your blind spots. Um, and mothers are important. I mean, we need to have more children. We need more people on the planet. It's a, it's a fact. And before we say goodbye, are you a better mother because of your career? Wow. Yes, I am. And is your career better because you are a mother? Yes, more so. That's because I work for an amazing company and I work for amazing people. So I have privilege there. I, I, I'm, I'm lucky. When you have a mother and you see women walking on the streets, catching taxis with little babies on their backs, a new side of your heart opens up and you actually cannot believe what other mothers go through. So I have privilege. And yes, my career is better. I'm a better mother because of my career and my career is better because I... You know, because I've become a mother, but I don't think that every South African woman can say that for herself. And that's that's something that makes me a bit sad. I think around the world. Thank you. Thank you for being so candid and so be, being so giving and so loving with us. Um, because I think every time we have honest conversations, then it allows every woman and every man tuned in to, to get a, a little glimpse of what happens on the other side, you know, what happens in the heart of the next person. And I think part of that flexibility then lies in that space. It lies somewhere in the, in between and getting to know each other and getting to, to understand each other a little bit better. And then we begin to shift our perspective. So thank you very much. Thank you for, for rushing across from the I state for, for missing the last song, for being here and being present, even after being awake since two in the morning. And I suppose, Hey, that's and that is that is exactly the the life that it's is no exactly from the any life. Other day. That is exactly the life. You've been listening to Womanda, and we've been chatting about working, planning your family, planning your career. Tune in next week when we talk about more awesomeness when it comes to women. This is CliffCentral.com.